0: Signal Sciences secures the most important web applications, APIs, and microservices of the world's leading companies. Protecting over 7,500 applications and 150 billion production requests per week, Signal Sciences' next-gen WAF and RASP help companies increase security and maintain site reliability without sacrificing velocity, all at the lowest total cost of ownership. Signal Sciences' patented technology protects any application against any attack, with integrations into any DevOps toolchain. Signal Sciences. Demand more from your WAF. Learn more at signalsciences.com forward slash PSW. Let the team at Black Hills Information Security test your defenses. With over 10 years of experience in penetration testing, red teaming, and threat hunting, the testers at Black Hills will help you find the holes in your security before the bad guys do. The team at Black Hills cares about educating and sharing their knowledge by creating countless blogs, open source tools, and webcasts for you to learn more about the tradecraft of pen testing and red teaming. Visit securityweekly.com forward slash B-H-I-S to join their mailing list and view the latest blogs and webcasts from Black Hills Information Security. The greatest threat to businesses today isn't the outsider trying to get in. It's the people you trust, the ones who already have the keys, your employees, contractors, and privileged users. 60% of online attacks are carried out by insiders. To stop these insider threats, you need to see what users are doing before an incident occurs. Observe It enables security teams to detect risky user activity, investigate incidents in minutes, and effectively respond. Get your free trial at observit.com forward slash securityweekly welcome back everyone to enterprise security weekly mark your calendars for tomorrow actually for our holiday (laughs) extravaganza um we will be recording uh is it seven segments seven 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 segments segments. total um let's see uh six of which are uh roundtable discussions Um, At a rectangular table. At a rectangular table, yes. Uh, The very same table we're sitting at now, which is where we're testing out the equipment, getting ready for uh, tomorrow, which is why you see a slightly different set for those video viewers out there. Um, But we'll be covering topics like uh, red team, uh, blue team, security versus compliance, uh, security history application se- uh, security, uh, holiday hack challenge, our yearly tradition with Mr. Ed Skotas, and much more. Hacker culture will be the final one when, we've been drinking pretty much all day, all day. as we've been known to do. Uh, so the last segment's gonna be really interesting. Ener- I think. Entertaining. entertaining <laughs> At least for us. <laughs> we, sound, we, we sound better to you when we're drunk. Drunk, funny, and interesting, something like mm-hmm. that. In any case. Uh, Let's see, Matt, this is your segment on unifying DevOps and SecOps. Yeah, so how Without
1: friction. Security without friction. Security without friction. Well, how this started was we were putting together our content plan for next year, and you had a number of items on here around containers and application security and all this other stuff. And look, everybody's heard this concept of DevSecOps, and there's lots of articles out about DevSecOps and all this fun stuff, and it's like... Wait a minute. But how many people are actually doing DevSecOps? What does it mean? And so uh, this is a presentation they I've done. fight over DevSecOps so, or SecDevOps. Oh, it will never be <laughs> SecDevOps. I'm just going to tell you right now, security folks, you will never get SecDevOps. DevOps. just not going to happen. And, and so what I'm going to do is this is a streamlined presentation that I've given a couple times uh, at, at RSA Conference and some of the other places. Uh, and I've integrated in some uh different points in the CI/CD process where you can check but so let's start with some basics right so to me the first thing is what i think security professionals have to understand is that devops is driving digital transformation and, and the reason i say this is because the business has gone to uh the developers and said look we need to get in front of our customers. We need to engage our customers. We need mobile apps. We need better websites. We need better interaction. And so developers have been given a lot of the uh, the, the capabilities to go out and build code. And DevOps is this mechanism that's used to drive this digital, digital transformation. And so if you're a security professional And you're thinking, ah, this DevOps thing is a fad. The answer is no, it's not really a fad. It's going to continue to affect you. And so how do you embrace DevOps is gonna be one of the things we talk about and and where does security fit in that DevOps, that process. Um, But digital transformation is about the application. And I talk about this a lot because the research we were doing at Tenable in late 2015 really saw kind of the future of where technology was gonna go. Uh, a lot of the things that we do is focused around the application, whether it's the web app, the mobile app, it is engagement with these things that sit in our pockets every single day, uh, allowing people to interact with companies. And so application security plays a very important role in the future. From an infosec perspective, I might go cloud. I might not go cloud. I might keep my data center. I might not keep my data center, but here's what I'm going to tell you. That's going to stick throughout applications. Users accessing those applications and the data behind those applications will transform regardless of how we deploy these technologies in the future. The other thing is continuous delivery mechanisms in the DevOps process. What's known as the CI/CD pipeline is going to accelerate deployment. And this is an important thing I'm going to talk about when we talk about some of the people challenges. The frequency of change. In DevOps, is crazy fast. Now, I used to ask this question when I give this presentation uh, to folks: "Say, well, how often do you scan your network? Monthly? Quarterly? Do you scan it weekly? Do you scan it daily? Do you scan it multiple times a day?" And the reason I say that is because frequency here in the DevOps process is potentially multiple times a day, and we're Sometimes as security practitioners, we're not ready for that many changes in the environment to address the security concerns. And and so the continuous delivery side of this is gonna accelerate deployment. It's gonna accelerate change, things that we have to deal with. Uh, And obviously the last one is infrastructure is gonna be anywhere and everywhere. I'm gonna have hybrid environments. I'm gonna have multi-cloud environments. I'm gonna have infrastructure all around the world. Uh, I'm going to have users all around the world. People who interact with my applications are going to be anywhere and everywhere. And, and that creates, I think, a lot of challenges for security professionals who are used to protecting a perimeter, protecting assets within a perimeter. Those assets have gone beyond the perimeter. And, and this is going to be a challenge for security professionals, I think, as we continue to uh, transform through this process. And and how do you uh, address all these aspects? This is why you see so much attention on zero trust, for example, Uh, this concept that you can't trust anything because of where it is or or where it resides. So um, let's talk about people challenges. And I think if we're going to create a DevSecOps capability, we better understand what DevOps wants and we better understand what SecOps wants because somewhere we have to meet in the middle. And so one of the things I wanna talk about a little bit is some of the benefits of DevOps and some of the challenges. Uh, Same thing on the security side because if you understand them at their roots, you can start to think about how do I effectively integrate
2: security into this DevOps process? So, so now let's talk now's DevOps. probably a good time to ask my question. Sure, absolutely. And you can weave it into your response. But I, I noticed in the article, and I was saving the question to now, they mentioned following the SDLC. And in my experience, very often companies either don't have an SDLC or they have one somewhere. I think somebody saw it once. They produce it for their annual PCI assessment. <laughs> but the, from a people perspective, a lot of the developers – they're just doing what they've been told to do write code make something work make, you know build something the idea of uh, of an sdlc and i've asked a lot of people to do devops or sec devops or devsecops or whatever you want to call it and people kind of look at me funny when i mention the sdlc so is an sdlc still relevant or what is is it evolved it what does it look like th- in today's world yeah
1: the sdlc is evolving into uh a, really a CI/CD process continuous integration continuous deployment what we kind of generically call devops mm-hmm. um and it's not that the concepts of the sdlc have changed it, it, that the definition of the sdlc has changed the way we're delivering the software development life cycle is shifting in the capabilities and how it's actually being done now, in the old days an sdlc was thought of a very waterfall based approach you would you know spend months uh, identifying a set of requirements and right. spend months to code those requirements and then you would spend you know weeks and or months testing securing deploy we still
0: need to spend time developing
1: requirements let's not lose sight no. of that okay no a- agreed yeah. <laughs> but the but, cycle, it's done, but it's done in minutes but the yeah. cycle that's happening yeah. is it's not we don't spend months developing requirements. We're iterating through requirements on a very fast basis. It could be daily, it could be weekly, but we're iterating through requirements, we're reprioritizing requirements, and developers are developing code against those on a faster cycle. Where in the old waterfall approach, we had time to do our security assessment at the end of the um, process-ish and still be relevant. In DevOps or the continuous integration, continuous deployment pipelines, the frequencies are changing. They're so much faster. And so you're iterating through code way faster than you did before. So how do you bring that together? So having what you want in PCI, which is this fully documented, beautiful workflow of the software development lifecycle, doesn't really exist in in these worlds. it's kind of iterative, it, it's, it's constantly changing. The, the, we'll talk about some of the challenges for DevOps in this process is the, the tools that they're using, um, the number of automation steps are constantly changing and improving right. to get more acceleration right. on, the, on the deployment side.
2: Well, I tell my customers all the time that are struggling to come up with the document I say look you're following a process whether you know whether it's written down or not you're taking steps all all we're looking for is something written down that says that the steps are there my concern is if it's not written down in some way shape or form so it's not being taught so it's not being you know there isn't a reference guide because of the much faster cycles things get omitted and things yes things get dropped, missed, or they don't know that they're supposed to be doing that. And very often that's a step that relates to security. You still
0: have to define, whether you're doing a DevOps process, integrating Agile, whatever it is, you need to define that process for how you develop software. And that's independent of what methodology and whatever labels you give it in the back end, right? Right. And I, I think from an auditing perspective, what you're looking for is in the different iterations, like wait, in the previous one, you had a process that checked for something security-related, right? right. It, it doesn't matter what tool you're using, but in the new process, you do, you're you skipping that step to your point, Jeff, right? Right. And we need to be able to notice differences. Or I'm concerned
2: that, that the and, – and at the end of the day, what, what PCI or what an SDLC from a security perspective is looking for is that security is thought of Mm-hmm. Yes. in every step and, and <laughs> something's done about it at but, every step yeah that's the end
1: game it is and, and that is the nirvana of devsec ops but mm-hmm. very few organizations are actually there and, right. and we'll get into it in carry a little bit. carry on then <laughs> so we'll, we'll get why tell so, us how
2: we should be so, doing so it.
1: let's talk about the people challenge so if yeah. i'm on the devops side what's my benefit i get agility means I can add new capabilities to an existing application pretty easily because now I can add those uh, into my microservice architecture and and do that pretty quickly. I get velocity, right? I can speed up deployments. I can go after new markets. I can make improvements. I can innovate because of this iterative process. I get a lot of velocity. I can also get a lot of optimization out of my code. Mm -hmm. I can decide that you know, if I'm cloud-based, for example, one of the great examples we used to talk about at Layered Insight was, um, I will move my workloads to different regions of the world based on around the clock, mm-hmm. right? So, if I'm a global environment, during the U.S. hours, I'm going to you know bring up my instances in in AWS to reduce latency in in the U.S. regions. But when I'm off the clock here, but Asia's in full swing, I can switch those workloads over to Singapore or some other zone and reduce latency. So it gives me a lot of ability to optimize um, your cost structures. It gives you the ability to optimize performance across the board. Mm -hmm. Um, So these are interesting reasons why DevOps is so popular and and really is driving the way we we deal with application um, uh, development. But look, DevOps folks, we've done I think we've done a good job over the years trying to educate developers for secure coding. But at the end of, end, end of the day, the developers and the DevOps teams really aren't the security experts. Their lack of understanding with security is a challenge for them, right? They don't understand why DDoS protections and all these other things are important, security folks know that. The developers themselves don't, primarily because they are given a set of business requirements from the business and their job is to code that functionality. They're not really thinking about security. And, and so that's a challenge for
2: them. I think there's an, uh, there's two elements to that. One, from a people perspective and from developers pers- specifically, one we're talking about, which is what they're building or not building into their code themselves. The other one, which I, I saw m- more frequently back in my pen testing days, was the um, practices, let's say, of the developers that don't necessarily follow corporate security mm-hmm. guidelines. Right. To to you know to speak it you know sort of at a right. high high level. So how do you check for that? So how do you right. how do exactly? You, how do you combat against that? Yeah,
1: exactly. Uh, and I'll tell you how not to do it in a second. Okay. Uh, the other thing is look, uh, DevOps teams are always looking at automating, which means they're always bringing in new tools into the environment. So the process back to your SDLC conversation, mm-hmm. it's not static, it's dynamic. They're, right. they're constantly introducing new capabilities in to get that automation, to get that enhanced agility and getting code out. Um, you know, so this is a challenge. The other thing is, you know, look, a lot of these early DevOps shops adopted certain technologies that may or may not still be around. Uh, the perfect example is, you know, anybody who bought into Docker and Swarm are now re-architecting to Kubernetes because Kubernetes won the orchestration game, right? Mm-hmm. And so the early DevOps shops are, are definitely struggling with some technology choices and, and kind of iterating through that. On the, on the security side, look, it, it's pretty easy, right? As security folks, we want the inventory of what is authorized and unauthorized software in our network. It's like a typical 101 kind of, uh, from a compliance perspective, from a security perspective, I need accurate inventory, what's authorized, what's unauthorized. We want the ability to validate compliance with our policies and regulations, back Mm -hmm. to the security and compliance conversation. And we need a way to assess, monitor, and remediate these applications in these new environments. That's what we as security folks want. Mm -hmm. But here's some things we struggle with. We're not used to this frequency. Yep. Back to my scanning example, yep. you know, we are changing applications. I, I think Etsy is one of the most aggressive cases I've seen where every seven minutes they're, they're pushing to production. Hmm. Think about that from a security speed perspective for a second, Jeff, right? That means they're making a change every seven minutes. How are you gonna stay up with security in that kind right. of environment with right. that frequency? Right. I mean, if we scan our networks, once a month, we think we're, we're good. I mean, seven, every seven minutes, so that's a challenge. Also, I think you know, security struggles a little bit with its changing role. Um, op- operations is owned by the development as part of this DevOps team. We're used to being on the operational side of, of the infrastructure. Mm-hmm. DevOps teams are spinning up their own networks. They're spinning up their own servers. They're spinning up their own orchestration and application infrastructure through code right. that we don't have visibility into. And so our role is moving away from an operational role in some respects, more to a governance kind of role. We but have to think about that governance aspect in our changing role as security professionals.
2: But that, that's not exactly a new problem because uh, security teams, again, I'm dating myself, going back to more of my consulting, pen testing, security architecting type days where, you know, uh, the people that were attempting to do security were always discovering things that the web, most of the time it was web developers back in those days were doing, you know, setting up staging areas that were internet reachable, that were uh, wide open using stock install builds of the underlying OS, so on and so forth. And and I don't know that that was ever solved, it's just transcended. Mm into you know new platforms new architectures new methodologies exactly right and you know i I might
1: be more worried about my overall relationship with aws from a security shared responsibility model than i am about you know generating logs and managing my own SOC in some respects right like i said I, i think our role is changing a little bit in this environment so we struggle with that the, in the last one is look, we've got a lot of legacy uh, solutions that. Don't give us a lot of visibility and control in these new environments. Right. And so how do we get that back? That's a challenge for us mm-hmm. uh, as security professionals, right? So some of the people challenges, yep. the process challenge gets really interesting for me, because if you think about how, how we've traditionally tried to do this development goes out, they build their code, uh, that becomes a container instance and gets deposited into a container registry. Okay. Now what we do is we've got this container ready to deploy in production, but we know security has to get involved. So security's the last step in the process. So now I say, hey, security team, here's this container. Can you guys go out and assess it for me?
2: Mm -hmm.
1: Now, three years ago, two, three years ago, this was pretty hard for the security teams. They're like, well, how do I assess this new thing called a container? What tools do I have? Which tools do I need? Takes them some time to do some research. They do their scans against this environment. And then, oh, by the way, they send back a bunch of uh, findings back to the security or to the development team. And the developers are like, uh, I got to push this code. I don't have time to fix your 300 page right. vulnerability report, right? right? We've seen this over and over and over again. Yep. And we've seen this in, in the application side. So what we've done is we've slowed down the process. What DevOps gives us is that speed and agility. And what security just did is they just took that speed away yep. and that agility away, yep. Right. So how do we solve this? This is where this concept of how do I unify security into the CICD pipeline actually come together. And so I'm, I wanna talk about some very specific checkpoints along the way where I think security can insert itself into the pipeline mm-hmm. and provide valid security checks along the way. Okay. So
2: And don't slow anything down.
1: And don't slow anything down. Yep. So let's start with the first step. I build a container instance. I go to my build system. I have the ability as part of that build to do a static analysis, a code analysis of that code being checked in. I can do it right there. I don't have to wait to do my static analysis at the end of the process. I can do it right now because that code just got compiled, <coughs> excuse me. It got sent into my build system. So why not do my code analysis as part of the actual build? Uh-huh. This is where rapid sevens, Jenkins plugin. plug in. Mm-hmm. Comes into play. It's where other people Jenkins is so like two weeks ago, Matt. Though, what's that? That's my Jenkins joke. Oh. Jenkins is so two weeks ago. <laughs> so two weeks ago. Uh, it could be. It could be whatever. Whatever the build system is, it can be plugged in right there. I can do my code analysis at that point in the process, and if something is wrong, I can let development know as part of the build. I don't have to wait until the end of the process to do that. It's a very valid step to do. Now, on Monday, we were talking about static scanners and some of the challenges with traditional SaaS tools in the industry. Is the old SaaS tools needed to see all the code to really do what it did well. And one of the challenges in a container-based, microservice-based architecture is the SaaS doesn't necessarily have all this code to analyze at once. It gets it in pieces. Mm -hmm. So things like... Simple things like um, uh, IDE plugins for security spell checkers, uh, basic SAS, um, uh issues, uh, some basic fuzzing can all be done pretty much in this phase of the build process. I don't need to wait to do these things and I can provide very uh, very quick response back to the developers as they're, as they're building their code that there's an issue and get it fixed, right? That just speeds things up because I don't have to wait till the end to fix it. The second so we're still looking at
0: source code and just the binaries. Correct. Not anything in runtime or X. Ex- nope. What, would be, what I would term the next step would be, would be unit testing, right? Yeah, and there unit is testing, some level
1: yeah, you can using do, the app. Yeah, exactly. So now I've checked that as part of the build process, I, ver- I verify all that from a code analysis per- perspective. I now drop that container into my container registry. So now you have a very interesting opportunity. Now you have all the binaries assembled. You have all the interdependencies of the app in that container all sitting together in one spot. This is where software composition analysis really plays in I think is that next validation step. Well, 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 what's the
2: difference between software composition analysis and code review?
1: So static code reviews looking at the actual lines of code. Mm uh, software Composition Analysis is looking at all the binaries and libraries embedded within that container image mm-hmm. to see if there are dependencies that have vulnerabilities in them. And you can even break that up into two parts. In fact, okay. if you're using Git, it actually does that
0: for you. When you check code into the uh, version into the version control like Git, it'll tell you if you're using Python libraries. This happened gotcha. to me, right? Python, your Python libraries you're calling are outdated version because it's looking at my requirements file. Then it can look at your built container and go, hey, when you built this container, you're using an older version of a Linux package or have Mm -hmm. some other even configure or some vulnerability that's known uh, inside of your container. So I look at this as a two step process, right? Right. There's the composition that I can check in my software repository and Git, for as an example, right? and then once the container the environment is built i can check the composition of the container to see if it contains i
2: components. feel like there's an older term for that and we have a new it's very se- SCA sec- sexy is term. what the analysts yeah. call it
1: right. software composition analysis and what's yeah, looking for is like, all those dependencies nothing yeah. that's Something really, about, really
2: new right i don't mm-hmm. remember what the term was yeah. and i'm going back 30 some years to the sure. DOD days yeah. but you know you know mapping the dependencies and the libraries could also be called your
1: software bill of
2: materials yes kind of what alan talks
1: about a little bit Um, but it is understanding all those interdependencies because containers are based on linux there's a lot of old linux libraries out there that are dependencies and some of those libraries the older ones have a lot of vulnerabilities in them here's where you do your basic uh uh, vulnerability checks part of that software composition analysis a lot of great tools out there that do this for you some free uh, some paid But but they're there. It's a great second check in the in the process Mm -hmm. by having that information. I can now do a set of security and compliance enforcement validation from a policy perspective. Right. Remember, as security folks, we want to make sure that it complies with certain policies and regulations. Here's where I can write a set of rules to say, look, I don't want any uh, critical vulnerabilities, I don't want any uh, GPL licensing, I don't want any of these other things in the I container. I don't want any
0: Linux kernel privilege escalation vulnerabilities
1: in right. my container. Exactly. Right. So you can validate now that you've done the software composition now, so you can now apply a set of security and compliance rules against that to say, am I going to allow this thing to move forward or right. not? Break the build or not. Exactly.
2: Or is Does it make sense in any way to and to use a I'm putting it in terms that I understand. To use these building blocks that are somewhat standardized, I would think, is there? does it make sense to be doing some of these preliminary, preliminary checks and security checks on the building blocks ahead of time? You can to an extent. The problem is I don't think you can control all the building blocks because the
1: developers are literally pulling down libraries and stuff from it's the sources time and the all over and right
2: everything's being everything's being updated all yeah, your docker file
0: basically defines like the instructions on how to build my container mm-hmm. and it says go install this software you don't necessarily know like which version or which library it may actually pull down until exactly. it's built. Yeah.
1: until it's built and then and so now you need to validate it get it against your rules this is a This is a second integration point. if it fails certain checks, mm-hmm. you want to get that data back to the developers as quickly as possible. Right. You don't want to wait until the end of the process, say, "Oh, by the way, you have seven critical vulnerabilities that you now need to go address because I'm part of the build process now I can do this pretty quickly give develop oh yeah, wrong library, update the version, boom, passes the test, on it goes so this this cr- this removes the friction of security in this process, because I'm giving them that feedback instantly in the overall process. Gotcha. So it passes those. This is where layered insight was unique. There are some other vendors out there as well, but the ability now to instrument the container image for both security and performance requirements. Um, We've seen a lot in the APM market that does instrumentation. We've seen other instrumentation from a security perspective, but now that I have the container, I know it's passed. I can do some instrumentation here. Uh, if I want to, both from a performance and a security perspective, this helps you in the runtime side later, where I can actively monitor that running container in production, okay? Now I move this thing over into tests and staging back to unit testing, Paul. Mm -hmm. This is now where I start to spin these things up on the orchestrator itself. I start running through a set of tests and I'm collecting data. If I've got my instrumentation in there, or if I've instrumented my orchestrator, Kubernetes in this particular case for most organizations, I can start to see what's going on at the container. I get a lot of behavior data out of these environments. So I can start to baseline what these uh, container environments at yeah, runtime are Sysdig actually doing. did a
0: great job of presenting on Pulse Security Weekly on this aspect. Exactly. I said it right? because we're running short on time. Yep, <laughs> and so that, that allows you to
1: do it. Then uh, obviously through the testing cycle, we can provide that feedback. This stuff follows you into production. This allows you to do that runtime protection in production and continue to um, update your different rules uh, that you're monitoring for in production. It also provides a ton of data not only to the security teams, but to the development team, right? The DevOps teams get a lot of this instrumentation back, say, look, you know, that process shouldn't have forked, or we shouldn't see this type of CPU or memory utilization, but also security can also look for a lot of uh, potential issues as well. So these are some of the different points I would integrate security along the CICD pipeline and put organizations in a much better place to deal with security along the way instead of waiting till this thing's in production or in test to do all these various tests. Anyways, that was my shtick. Cool. Sweet. Well, with that, we'll take a short break. Come
0: back with our interview with the fine folks from Kenna Security. Stay tuned.